Hi, this is Jackie the Joke Man Martling, and you're listening to Mike Tomato. Stay right there. The Mike Tomato Happening. Oof, coming off a whirlwind, exhaustive weekend. Thanks for joining us once again. Hey, please uh, tell your podcast listening friends about the show and subscribe wherever you stream your shows. Well, the holidays are approaching fast, and uh, I've made a resolution this year to embrace them and to embrace the winter. I'm going to attempt to relish the all-too-temporary Spirit of goodwill, the celebration of Christ's message, snowfall, Christmas trees, shopping for gifts, all of it. I've been left with no choice but to embrace it. It's really the only option I've been left with since I've held great disdain for the winter for many, many years. And probably for the last decade, I've seriously considered leaving Illinois and seeking a location without winter. My wife, of course, a fan of the Four Seasons. And there's, you know, many more ever-increasing reasons to flee the state of Illinois. However, family, friend, and business ties have kept me from that pursuit. So Midwest winters, October through April, gray skies, treacherous driving conditions, colds, flus, yuck. Just overall yuck. So I, as a result battle seasonal depression, so in an effort to defeat it, I've indeed resolved to make the most of this winter 2021 into 2022. And I, you know, I'll visit family and friends, I'll hike the wintry woods, listen to great music, but it's going to be a battle. It's always a battle. I hate the winter. And so this is my plea to Mother Nature to prove me wrong in whatever way she can. You know, as for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I enjoy spending time with family and friends, seeing kids, get excited around the Christmas tree. I love all that, sure. But it's the snow and the gray skies, man. Ugh. But I shall embrace and relish it. That's my new approach to what has usually been just heading into it and plowing through to spring without letting it win. And if you suffer from seasonal depression, uh, you know, I, I relate. It's It's... It's tough. It puts you in these doldrums, and it's hard to, to, uh, to beat it. But that's why art exists in many cases. It's a way for us to escape into either creating or enjoying and consuming uh, expressions of art. And, you know, hang in there. Make sure you check on your friends through the winter. I think I'm making more of it than it needs to be made of. You know, it's just winter, Mike. Get over it. Or move to Arizona, one of the two. From the media corner, I've been delving into uh, doom metal lately. That's my new kick. The likes of Yob and Bell Witch. These are bands that I suggest you check out if you're looking for something different to listen to. What else? I, in my bag here, my travel bag, I've been spinning Jethro Tull's Heavy Horses, various Creedence Clearwater Revival albums, and uh, Gary Newman's Two-Way Army album, Replicas. This is a wacky little timepiece of sci-fi new wave that Gary did. Fun stuff. And I'm always looking for some good horror movie suggestions. You can hit me up on uh, social media if you have any really good ones. 
think the last horror film that really blew me away, and it's more so more so f- fantasy than straight up horror, was a movie called Spring, which I just loved. But I've been disappointed in some of the recent ones that I found on Netflix and Amazon Prime, so much so that I've actually started rewatching The Walking Dead. I'm trying to pick up where I left off. I can't tell. I think I went ahead into the eighth season on Netflix before watching the seventh, so I'm all confused as to what's going on. But anyway, thank you once again for joining us here on the Mike Tomano Happening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends that we're having interesting conversations with amazing people here. And today's guest is the wonderful Dee Wallace, an amazing actress. She's been working continually from the early 70s through today. She's worked with everyone from Steven Spielberg to Rob Zombie. She's got great stories to share with us. I love watching her act, and uh, she's a real sweetheart. So, uh, hey, by the way, she'll be appearing at the Days of the Dead in the Chicagoland area this coming weekend. Uh, Although she's not on any of the promotional stuff that I'm seeing online or at the website, which is kind of aggravating, but uh, I'm going to let her know. Or I did let her know. I mean, obviously, I've already recorded the interview, but uh, it is confirmed. She'll be in the Chicagoland area, the Days of the Dead Horror Movie Convention, and her new book is available for pre-order online. It's also going to be released before Christmas, so let's hang out with Dee Wallace. Well, Dee Wallace captured my heart along with millions of others. Uh, E.T., I think, was the first time that I really said, wow, who's this? And I followed her career ever since. I'm glad to finally have the chance to chat with her. I've been in touch with her over a couple of years, and now it just seemed to fall into place. And uh, it's like many of my favorite movies include Dee, and she's a big reason why they are favorites. She's got an appearance in town coming up at the Days of the Dead, which is happening uh, this weekend. And um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a book that she's written that's coming out. You can pre-order it now. And there's so much to delve into. But I want to thank you, Dee, for making time with me. Thank you. Well, you bet, sweetheart. I'm glad to be here. Well, you know, it's like every time I've seen you in a movie or a television show, I immediately smile. Do you get that a lot? Do people tell you you just bring smiles to people's faces? I do get that a lot. <laughs> Even in all my horror films, it makes me feel good. Yeah. It makes, it makes me feel like, you know, we're connected. Yeah, you are definitely connected to your audience and your fans. What's funny is I, I when I saw Lords of Salem, uh, I'm like, oh, great, D. Wallace is in it. I can't wait. And that character, of course, I did the, oh, there's D. Wallace smile that I always do when I see you on the screen. And then as your character, <laughs> it's one of the most diabolical characters, I think, that have ever been in film. It's so gleefully played by you. Yeah, I had a really good time. And you know, it's it's magical working with Rob. He... Uh, he knows exactly what he wants and gives you great direction, but then he allows you to play. Yeah, too. yeah. And you know that—that's the formula. When you put all that together, that's when the magic happens. Yes. You know. Have you seen Three from Hell? Yes, I did. Another one. <laughs> you know, Rob's films are 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 so unique. And I sometimes have to watch them more than once, like in a row, you know, like Lords of Salem. When I first watched it, I was like, 
wow what what is this all about but then you watch it again and you see that it's kind of an homage to the drive-in movies that we saw in the 70s and these these films that were trying to be artsy but they were too decadent to really capture that crowd and they kind of just had this aesthetic that was really inspired but and he really captures that and and the yeah yeah the claustrophobic (laughs) sets yeah He's uh, he's truly a master genius, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's uh, he's definitely unique. And now he's got the Munsters coming out. We're going to talk about uh, some of the films that you've done with him and also uh, other directors. There's so much to get to. So, first of all, um, you'll be making this appearance soon. And I want to talk about the Day of the Dead. And I, I got to tell you, I'm a little pissed off because I was trying to research and they don't have you... And a couple other people that are going to be there, they don't have you on the uh, the website. That's kind of an oversight. I know. What am I, chopped liver? I know. What is I, that all about? You know, I don't know. Uh, but it makes an actor feel very disrespected. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I love Billy, and I do a lot of his shows. But, you know, that's just not okay because your fans can't make a plan to come see you if they don't know you're going to be there right yeah how would they know yeah and there's plenty of people i don't know i don't know what the hiccup is um you know it's weird danny pintoro is going to be there uh from kuja and there's a picture of you holding him on their website yeah yeah i i i I don't know It, it must be an oversight but it's a bad oversight and I would sure like him to rectify that in the next couple of days. <laughs> well, I will definitely send him uh, communication. Uh, but you'll be there. The Richard Dreyfus is going to be there. Christy Swanson, Lou Gossett Jr., Billy Zane, one of my see one of my favorite actors and one of my favorite uh, actresses. I will be there. Yeah, Kathleen Turner, and uh, of course Dee Wallace, Alice Cooper. <laughs> Have you ever run into Alice Cooper before? I have. He's, yeah. a, he's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a very nice guy. You know, all these guys with these weird personas are, are really kind of babies at heart. Right, right. I mean, you know, when I was doing Halloween, uh, we were between shots, and I said to Rob, so what's your favorite movie this year? He said, Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, my God, Rob, don't tell anybody. It will it will totally ruin your, your you know, your cachet there. Well, we're but, gonna, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you're so well-known as a genre actress, but also as just this versatile actress. And I want to get into that because... Let's start. Can I start at your roots? I just want to get a quick overview of what your childhood was like and how you became an actress. Well, how I became an actress, I, my quickest answer to that was I was born. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Born, a, born well, an actress. I think, I think you just come in with those tendencies toward that creative life. Uh, I wanted to be a dancer, and I was a professional ballet dancer with a couple of companies, but I was never, you know, I was gonna be, always be a big fish in a little pond. Mm -hmm. And um, so I turned my sights to the next thing, and I had all my life really acted, uh, and I remember my mother uh, was a 
beautiful actress in local theater and in our church. And um, I remember sitting in church one Sunday when she did this half an hour reading about the crucifixion and all these grown men and women were sobbing and I thought, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to move people like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, anything I do, uh, it's just got to be creative. If I'm creating something, I'm happy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That And that's, you know, that's what this program is about is how to sustain and nurture a creative life. And so I try to have interesting conversations with amazing people every week. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed about your career is you've worked steady. We're talking from the 1970s, whether it's television or film, your career's never really lulled. And I want to ask you, you know, how do you balance that um, keeping a career going and obviously it's your talent and that people like working with you that's got to be a large part of it but what are some other secrets you can give aspiring actors or creative people in general to keep that motor going and to keep busy well i think oftentimes with creative people um you know it is business i mean if you're going to keep working it's a business and a lot of times for creative people uh, the business side isn't so much fun mm-hmm. or the side can be hurtful and then you start losing a little bit of your joy and passion around what you're doing because you forget that you do the business and then you get to do the creative and I think some a lot of times it seeps over and I know from literally teaching thousands and thousands of people the creative process that if whatever you want you've got to love it you have to love and then the universe goes oh let's go in there and play okay yeah Uh, if you want money you gotta love money if you want a healthy body, you've got to love your body. But we're taught to judge. Mm. We are taught to judge everything. And we're taught to um, say what we want by saying what we don't want. I can, when I go out and speak, call somebody up and say, what do you want? I don't want to worry about money anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. what do you want? Why I don't want to be so frustrated about money. This will go on for 20 minutes. Right. Until finally they get so pissed off at me. They go, (laughs) I want more money. And I go, great. Now, this is the first time you've told me what you want. What you want, yes. Because we focus more on the obstacles than the actual work. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's golden advice. And I've often told people, you know, I, I teach music. And I tell these kids, if you're... If you're not in love with the work and that's sitting down and playing your drums, or if you're an actor, if you're not in love with analyzing the script and going to rehearsal and you're not in love with the audition process, uh, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. Because the, uh, like you said, the universe will wink at you and say, oh, I see what's going on here. If indeed you're doing the work, you know? Yeah. Boy, we're getting heady right off the bat here, D. This is wonderful. <laughs> I I am a big believer in naivete. Yeah. Also. Yeah. When I went 
I had never been out of Kansas when I left to New York. And, you know, everybody was, oh, my God, New York. Oh, my God, it's so scary. Oh, my God, how do you think you're ever going to There's so many people. Blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, and, and that little naive Kansas girl in me went, yeah, well, I'm going to go to New York and be a movie star. And, yeah. you know, I, I just had that naive trust and uh, met a guy who took me uh, at an audition who took me to a Halloween party. And at the end of the party, his friends came over and said, you know, we think you'd like, we'd like you to come by the office on Monday, we think we might want to represent you. And I went, well, well, what do you do? Well, they were the biggest commercial agents <laughs> in New York. Now, I couldn't have planned that. Right. Right. But I was in alignment with it because I trusted and I loved what I was doing. And I just kind of knew it was going to happen. And then the universe goes, all right, well, we'll lay out the breadcrumbs for you. Yeah. Well, you know what's... And the universe will do it better than... It will do it so much better than you ever could do it for yourself. Right. And, you know, you talk about naivete and being a virtue because I think what happens when you're just kind of going for it you're not paying attention to everything that will suck the life out of you because you're just naive. I'm just like, okay, let's give this a try. That's, that's amazing. Amazing advice. Yeah, and you're not focused on the fear and you're not focused on the what ifs and the limitations. You're just focused on, Oh my God, I'm in New York city. I yeah. left camp <laughs> by myself and I'm in New York city. And I'm telling you, the minute I landed, I felt like I was, I, I felt like I had always meant to be there. Yes. Yeah. And, hey, I'll tell you a Hollywood story. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to hear about creation. Yes. Okay. So, I'm teaching high school in Kansas. And in the library, we get the New York Times. And in the New York Times, there's an article from Hal Prince about a little night music. And he's looking for an unknown to star in a little night music. So I went home, I wrote this cheesy letter to Hal Prince about, oh, just think, Mr. Prince, you know, to star an unknown right from Kansas. And I had my, my brother's friend who took pictures for the high school newspaper come over and take the cheesiest shot of me laying on the bed. Oh my God, so embarrassing. <laughs> and I sent it off to Hal Prince. Well, three weeks later, I get a call from his secretary. Mr. Prince got your picture and your letter and he would like to fly you to New York to audition. Wow. Now, here's how, here is how... I was raised, okay? I said, oh my gosh, that's wonderful. What day does Mr. Prince want me there? And they gave me the date, and I said, oh, that's awesome. What time? Well, he didn't need me till 5 o'clock. Well, I already had a coach ticket to go to New York <laughs> on that day. You know, he would have flown me first class and put me up and everything. So 
I said, oh, well, I don't want him to have to pay for the ticket because I've already got one. <laughs> so the day I landed in New York, I took everything I owned, took it to a cab driver, gave him the address and said, could you drop this off at this address, please? And they all got there, by the way. And I went down to Rockefeller Center and auditioned for Hal Prince. And I got down to the last five girls and <laughs> then the, his assistant said, well, Mr. Prince would like you to sing. And I went, oh, oh, I didn't know sing. Well, dear, it is a musical. Right. It's Sondheim. <laughs> right. Right. Had so you ever, my day had... in New York, I sang Happy Birthday for Hal Prince. I didn't get it, but I got down to the last five girls, baby. How great is that? And so were you, were you familiar with Stephen Sondheim? Or, or, or you're just like, oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. That's, that's yeah. so great. That is so great. So you're just like, happy birthday. Here you go. Here's my audition piece. Oh, Mr. Prince says, that's okay, honey. Just sing happy birthday. And the company says, what key, honey? And I went, um, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the key of the middle. I love it. Oh, my God. And some of your early television roles, it's funny when, when, you, when I go back... You've been on so many television shows. Uh, Lucas Tanner, yeah. Ellery Queen, Streets of San Francisco, Starsky and Hutch. And so you were just making a living right off the bat in, in this? Or were there some odd jobs that you had to keep? Oh, hell yes. The, yeah. first, two, the first two years in New York, uh, the first four months, uh, I, I was a receptionist. For, for a guy who I'm sure now that I look back on it was doing something very shady, but I didn't. <laughs> All I knew is he let me come in when I could. He paid me in cash. <laughs> I was happy and I was getting by, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I waited a few tables, but uh, I literally had $4 and some cents Left and I called my older brother and said, asked him if I could borrow a thousand dollars because I said, Denny, I know I'm going to make it. I just know it. And he said, Okay, Pee Wee, we'll send you a thousand dollars. Well, that's the night that I went to the party that I met the agents. Wow. A week later, a week later, I went, they sent me on a United Airlines commercial. I was the friendship girl. And I ended up making twenty grand in the next four months. That's something else, isn't it? Unbelievable. Oh, that's more, you know, than my parents saw in a year. So I we come from a very poor yeah. childhood. Well, just talking but, to you, I mean, I could I could tell that that just your optimism and your your lust for life and your open heart. You've had to have pulled a lot of your cohorts out of the doldrums over the years in Hollywood. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. If through my friendship and my love, which that, you know, if somebody says, what do you want to be remembered for? I won't say ET or my career or probably even my healing work. I will say just that D. Wallace was love. 
And she was a loving person. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, I, I do want to know how powerful love is and love will create anything for you. Yeah. Anything. Well, just listening to you speak, I, you can tell that you've got something in you that screams author. And I do want to talk about your book. And now this is, this is uh, cause we're going to get back into the movies. I want to ask you about some of my faves, but I, okay. I, now the book is called born and reading up on it. Now this is available for pre-order imdwallace.com it's coming out next month it seems like a big idea but accessible to anyone am i am i about accurate in that you are right on let me tell you creation and manifestation is easy it's a formula it's a formula that applies to anything you want to create right any and once you know how to do it it's easily accessible to everybody. And that's why I wrote Born. I've been doing this healing work. I'm a clairaudient channel, and I've been doing this healing work for over 30 years. A lot of people don't know about my healing work, but I've been doing it for over 30 years. And it helped thousands of people all across the globe. I have clients all across the world. And... Mm. You know, I just, and it was during the pandemic, by the way, and the, my channel said, just get up every day and say, what can I create today? Don't look at all the parameters and the fears that everybody's given you and the studio's closing down. You know, your consciousness is your money, D. So just get up and say, what do I get to create today? And one day when I asked that, it said, write a book. Yeah. And I went, because I, I already have five books, and I went, I know the book, as soon as that came in, I knew the book I wanted to write. I wanted to write a book like a primer. Yeah. For everybody, no matter if they knew anything about healing or energy or manifestation, that they can sit down and read this book, have fun reading the book, that it was simple and to the point, and by the time they finished, if they applied everything in this book, they would manifest everything they wanted in their life. Mm. And, it's and, a, yeah. and I did it. I did it. And it's, it's brilliant. You can pre-order it now on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Uh, it'll be in, in the stores in December. Uh, it's called Born, Giving Birth to a New You. I'm so looking forward to reading it. Like, like You said the type of channeling you do. Can you explain that and what it's called again? Yeah, I'm a clairaudient channel, which means I hear. Okay. Some, people, some people, like if uh, you've ever watched John Edwards, yeah. uh, his channel gives him pictures. Right? Like uh, he'll see two roses and he knows what that represents through his channel. But anybody can channel, guys. And kids do it all the time. Young kids do it all the time until we tell them they can't. Right. 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 So that's what imaginary friends are. Yeah, I find uh, that I find that at 54, I have these, these moments of, and I don't know if it's clarity or... 
I have these moments of realization more and more lately that aren't familiar to me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like I'll get a glimpse into Absolutely. a certain situation differently than I've ever imagined getting it. Yes. Yes. And like, you know, uh, here's a simple uh, way most of us challenge. We go, oh, you know, I haven't heard from somebody. I really should call them. Yes. That's channeling. That. So what it is is you're just open to receiving all the information that's hanging out right above our heads that's open to anybody. Mm. But you got to ask. You got to ask. You know, like it says, ask and it's given. But what most people don't understand is asking their original Hebrew is claim or demand. This will be delivered to me. Then mm. you get out of the way and let the information come in. Yeah. That's how I act. Yeah. Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. And you know, the book, the description, directing energy, because you think about how much energy we don't direct properly or let it go to waste, um, knowing neutrality, self-actualization, and knowing you are the power. It took you how long to write this book? It took me to write this particular book about four weeks. Or is it just poured out of you? Well, I just turn it over to the channel. Yeah, okay. All right. You know, if I would hit a wall, I go. I would get out of the way, and I would ask all right, where am I supposed to go now? And they would direct me to these channel sheets that I work with or a song or a movie, something that would open up the communication, right, from the universe. That's really who you're talking to. You're talking to the universe, which is holding all the information. Look, this is the way it works. The, the universe is a big electromagnetic hole. You learned that in fifth grade, okay? We are electrical beings. That's why they measure your heart through an uh, electrocardiogram and your brain through an electroencephalogram. When we have feelings and thoughts, they have electrical impulses connected to them. We're sending them out like a radio signal. Remember the old radios that you had to line up the <laughs> yes, line? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's what we're doing every day with the universe. If you're lined up with the universe and what you want, then the universe gets a signal. You plug into the motherboard, and it gets returned to you. And it removes if- the static from your frequency. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that. Oh, go ahead. Just give me uh, give me kudos. Hey, you know, so this kind of sounds, this is so interesting. I could spend all day with you, but so it seems like a Zen-like approach in some manners that you're just, you're, you're, you're quieting your mind by opening your mind. And I have to ask you, when you say- then you could also call it brain science brain science now there's something when you when you say you open yourself up and and you ask for the answer or the direction it has to be a discipline of some sort because when i do that i find myself questioning whether i'm receiving my my own am i getting my own desires or am i actually getting yeah but that means you're going to your monkey mind okay if you really really want to hear your highest 
direction, you always go to your heart, Michael. Yeah, okay. All right. Your heart will always, and if you do any studies from the HeartMath Institute and all the leading scientists, Greg Braden, um, Lipton, Bruce Lipton, they all will tell you the heart has a brain and the brain has a heart and they are in constant communication with with each other. We've just gotten it, as my mother would love to say, bass-ackwards. Bass-ackwards, right, right. It's hard to, go hard. to our minds yeah. to tell our hearts. Right. But that's, that's the wrong way. You want to go to your heart. Your heart will always guide you to your highest answer. Mm. And then you use that answer to tell your mind how to direct your brain to create it. How cool is this Born by D. Wallace? It's going to be available uh, all over next month, but you can pre-order it now at Amazon. You can go to Barnes & Nobles, or you can go to the awesome website, imdwallace.com. I can't wait to read your book. And uh, boy, you know, you're one of those guests that I feel like I've known forever and I, I really appreciate you taking time. I, I want to run through some of the uh, some of the directors you've worked with. I just want to get your initial impression, okay? Because Okay. Okay, so when I saw The Howling, being a big horror film fan, uh, it blew my mind. Remains one of my all-time favorites and Joe Dante must have been a wonderful director and that film is the perfect balance. It strikes the perfect balance between suspense and terror with black humor and levity and little winks, you know, homages to uh, prior films. Huh? That was all Joe. Do you know that he paid for all those film clips himself? To to include them in the film, yeah. 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 This is the quality of the film considerably. Yeah. The studio wouldn't ante up, so he paid for them himself. Yeah, he seems like a real maverick. And, you know, the grisly makeup effects of the werewolves by Rob Bottin are legendary. Yet the film ends on this great note where your character, Karen White, she's giving her life. She's going to tell the world of the secret of the werewolves. And then she turns into like this cuddly werewolf. Uh, That was a great note to end the film. Well, I wasn't supposed to be seen as a werewolf. I had that in my contract. Why the Rick, I thought that was important back then. <laughs> so Joe calls me. I'm shooting Cujo, and Joe calls me. He says, everybody that's seen the picture wants to see is a werewolf. I said, I don't care, Joe. Fine. Just can you make her a little more vulnerable because she's fought against it so hard? So they came up with this Bambi werewolf. <laughs> All animatronic. I'm not even underneath it. Uh, you know, but again, that's Joe's amazing sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, one of the greats, one of the, one of the yeah. un- un- underrated. He's just so. What led you being so perfectly cast with uh, in ET with Steven Spielberg, and what was it like working with him? Well, that's like what's it working like working with a genius? Yeah, with Mozart, know? right? I got you. Yeah, I mean, he knows exactly what he wants. He surrounds himself with the best people. And I might say, trying not to blow my own horn, but he is a master at casting. Mm. He he is able to see the quality of the actor and match it with the 
highest rendition of the character. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, again, and this goes for every major director and a lot of the really good uh, up-and-coming directors that I've worked with, every good director knows exactly what they want and they know to give you the freedom to bring in your ideas mm -hmm. or your or wow. or your intuitions you know that's when the magic happens and that goes for the cinematographer that goes for the editor right the, the you know music everything mm. Yeah, it, it seems like that's a that's a great point. When you know so well what you want, you know that the people the right people are in place to give you even more of what you need. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, you bet. What was and, the, now? You were in the Frighteners, which is another that's an underrated film, uh, early Peter Jackson film. Yeah, underrated. He, that's a good good word for it. He had to be uh, an, he had to be another genius to work with. Oh my God, I adore Peter. Yeah. Uh, Peter was, you know, he was like a hobbit. He was. <laughs> He's mythological. He was, yeah. He was short and round, and it was wintertime in New Zealand, and he would come to the set in shorts, a down jacket, and flip-flops. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you who Peter Jackson is. Uh, my husband died during the shooting of that. First, he had a heart attack. They flew me back. He was fine. I flew back. Four days later, he died. I flew back, put on his party, uh, grabbed my kid and my nanny, and flew back to finish the film. So, four times across the world uh, in two weeks. Yeah. And he said, you know, don't worry, Dee, just we'll settle up at the end of the movie. So, I went up, went into settle up with them and pay them for it and they said no Peter just wants to gift this to you he's he's taking care of all the flights mm. and that's who Peter Jackson is yeah and so you keep in touch with Peter um via email every once in yeah, a while yeah 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 it's crazy how fast life goes and how, how our paths God believe yeah. it's November already yes crazy. God yeah. We thought we were all so bored with the pandemic. Where the hell did the year go? Where did it go? Right? And you know, you're talking about working with newcomers. You worked with Ty West when he was relatively new at the game with the House of uh, the Devil. And what what was that like? Oh, Ty was great. Yeah, he was he was great. But he would ask me to do it again, and I go, "Okay, why?" <laughs> and he go, "Well, I." I don't know, just do it again. I said, no, can't just do it again. I need to know why. What am I adjusting? What am I right. And and so I think we both learned from each other. Yeah. Quite a bit. Uh, just worked with another new director on a film that I think is going to be pretty awesome uh, called Homestead. And uh, he came up to me at the end and he said, boy, did I learn a lot and I was on on the set only three days. He said, I sure learned a lot from you, Dee. And I went, well, I don't know what you possibly could have learned. 
I think it's, you know, just, yeah, just stuff like that. You telling them, you know, tell me what you want instead of just taking another take. Let me give you something different or enhanced or in a different way. And now I guarantee Ty West, every time he asks an actor to uh, do it again, he tells them why. See, that's you, you've, you've made your, uh, your well, point. Or at least he, he takes the time to ask himself. Yeah, right. Right. You know, because look, so many times that's, I'll never forget being on the set with Blake Edwards, one mm. of my favorite actors of all time. And we had had to come back something happened to the film and we had to come back three months later and uh pick up part of the scene in the bedroom and take me into the bathroom and so they had gone to quite a bit of expense building this set and getting us back all together again and and uh we did one take and uh blake said Great, we got it. That's a wrap. And <laughs> I hear all these people running across the sound stage, and they're going, Blake, God, no, get, you've got to get at least one more. And Blake looked at them and said, I looked at it. I saw it. I got what I wanted. We're moving on. We're moving on. He had a but, vision, yeah. Well, he knew, and he trusted himself, see? Yeah. But... These days, especially, it's like, oh, that was great. All right, let's do it again. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. I, I look at them and I go, okay, it was great. Why are we doing it again? Yeah. Well, just to be safe. I mean, you were in two films that absolutely changed the Hollywood. Ten, which lifted a lot of taboos and made people very, very... Uh, comfortable with seeing stuff on, on screen and, and the subject and working with Dudley Moore and uh, Bo Derek that was her first thing and Julie Andrews who shocked the world in that and then E.T. Yeah. comes along and E.T. changes the science fiction genre I mean it's just it's a, listen I, I, I've already gone over my allotted time with you and I, I, I could spend all day with you because you're such a lovely person I do want to tell people this book Born seems like it's uh it's something we were all born to read especially people who are are maybe looking for a little uh little clarity in some some aspects of their life so i want them to uh, pre-order that big bunch of clarity dude big (laughs) and it but it's simple guys it's simple you can understand it and i guarantee you if you apply it your life will change excellent i guarantee you well d it's been a long time I've been uh, contacting you and thank you so much you're one of my favorite people and uh... I don't know why I took so long in doing this this was so much fun The Mike Tamano Happening 